You're listening to Now You've Seen It, the podcast that endeavors to fill the holes in your essential movie viewing. Here's your host, Paul Gisby. Hello, I'm Paul Gisby, and as you've just heard, I'm your host for this episode of Now You've Seen It. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2004 zombie fantasy comedy, Shaun of the Dead, directed by Edgar Wright and starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I'm joined for this episode by one of our resident panellists, Cass of the Good Idea podcast. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Customary uh, reference to the weather, we're, we're, sudden, we're in the middle of a uh, torrential downpour, so we're surrounded by flooding in the UK, so it's all... It's all very wet. It's been very nice here this week. Oh, good, good. You got sp- <laughs> spring is starting. It's early. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And he's the host of Banter I Hardly Know Her, a podcast that dives into a variety of topics in TV, movies, and especially animation. He's a self-proclaimed expert at almost anything under the Disney umbrella. He's been writing movie reviews for four years, and he's our guest today. So a big NYSI welcome to perry wilson hey how's it going it's going well glad you could join us so really good to have you on, on on the show perry i'm glad to be here so let's start big movie fan absolutely yeah what what uh are you a did you like to see them in a theater or are you a tv watcher uh, I do try to go to the theater probably 25 to 30 times a year. Uh, I'm seeing mostly all the big stuff uh, that at least is under my kind of niche, the Marvel, the Star Wars, the animated movies, um, and then trying to get out and see a little bit more of this, the, uh, I don't know, the the indie stuff as well as of late to the last couple of years, because there's so many good films that I would never uh, go out and watch unless I kind of make myself do it so <laughs> mm, right 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 so obviously quite wide taste there. i mean i was going to ask you do you have any preferences but it sounds like you've got you've got interest in all sorts of directions i try to but also I, I i tend to stay away from the uh the chick flicks and the horrors and even uh there's some other there's some other smaller genres as well but other, other than that i'm i do try to get a taste of a lot of different things right how are you on musicals that's my that's my bet noir i can't stand you know i'm I'm new to it, but I'm enjoying it. I'm starting to explore some of them, um, yeah. but but I definitely enjoy them. Right, right. So, let me have to ask you, uh, given that you've seen all the, 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 you know, you obviously see a lot of movies and you're very interested in it, and I'm sure you've you've seen your fair share of classics. How come you'd never seen Shaun of the Dead before, and, and uh, why did you pick it from the list? Um, to be honest with you, I'd say um, the British films, I haven't really gotten very uh versed with i haven't seen that many i haven't seen i don't think any by edgar wright honestly which is a crime now that i'm uh looking at all that he's done um a lot of names that i recognize and that i haven't seen um but also because uh you did mention like i pro- that i've seen a lot of classics that's not entirely true right. uh i'd say i've been reviewing movies for four years and i've been really into movies for about six or seven but at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to start here and then be watching everything new from here on out. And I've been slowly getting back and watching some of the classics, but uh, I haven't seen haven't seen all of them. Well, no, and I think that, that, that none of us are ever, will ever manage that, I'm sure, because uh, once you get to the point you think you've seen them all, then suddenly they re, re, they renew the top 100 list and stuff appears that wasn't there before. So yeah, anyway, but you've seen Shaun of the Dead now, which is the main thing. 
I have. Okay, so in a moment we'll we'll get down to uh, discussing and find out what you thought about it. But we're just going to take a short break now. Stand by. We interrupt this program for an important announcement. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you standing by? A very important message is coming. Are you still standing by? We interrupt for this breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. There's a podcast that happens on Saturday night that you need to know about. All right, can I get out of serious mode? Let's go to Goofy. Okay. Make sure to listen to Louisiana Saturday Night. Robert and April are your hosts, and they talk a lot about current events. And occasionally they'll have a guest and include them on the conversation. It's raw, it's blunt, and explicit. (laughs) Well, if there is one thing I know, and that is I like dirty. Uh, Anyway. It's for anyone who wants to have fun and not take life so seriously. And God knows we need that these days. Robert and April on Louisiana Saturday Night. Check them out at louisianasaturdaynight.podbean.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And welcome back to Now You've Seen It. And this episode, we're talking about Shaun of the Dead, and our guest on this episode is Perry Wilson. Now, at this point, we uh, introduce our movie by playing one of our now famous spoof trailers. So let's hear the trailer. When there's a crisis, you can always call on Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can make it. Oh, then you can call on the Italian stallion. What did he say? He can't make it. Darn. Okay. So you need a tough-as-nails New York City cop who knows how to handle explosive situations with a yippee Kaye father mucker. These people hasn't called us back. Bollocks. Then who do we have? The guys from Spaced. You mean Daisy, Brian, and Colin? No, Tim and Mike. Ooh. Okay, here's what we do. Grab Tim, I mean star Simon Pegg, and director Edgar Wright, and take co-star Nick Frost's car, drive over to the office, whip up a script, then we grab some cameras and lights, film at 37 Abbott Garden, sorry, Philip, take a run to Ealing Studios for a bit, and then drive over to the Duke of Albany and hole up and wait for the whole thing to blow over. Great. I'll put the kettle on. From the director of Scott Pilgrim, Benji from Mission Impossible, and Bruce from Cuban Fury, comes the first chapter in the Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead. Okay, another another classic spoof from uh, from Peter there. Very good. Sorry, very good <laughs> as usual. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's find out, Perry. What did you think? Well, uh, in general terms, uh, I had a really good time with this one. Honestly, uh, I tend to judge comedies strictly by how much I laughed, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I laughed quite a bit, especially early on the first act and probably the first two thirds of the movie. I was, I was very much uh, involved in in laughing and uh, really enjoyed it. It, That's just my, my general synopsis. Um, It did get a little slower towards the end for me, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. 
All right. So did you have any expectations then before you watched it? Because you said you've not seen that many British movies, so I'm guessing you didn't didn't really uh, know that much about this kind of thing. But any any expectations? Um, well, so I, I hadn't heard too much about this movie until um, earlier this week when I you know I started telling people that I was gonna you know asking people if they'd heard of it or if they've seen it, and everybody that had seen it that I talked to this past week or two had tell had told me they loved it. So after that, I was like, man, I'm really excited to watch this now. So yeah, right, that's right. the only expectations I had was from the people that have told me it's really right. Okay, Cass, give yeah. us your thoughts. Um. I actually love this movie. It's in my top five movies of all time. No, um, really? What, top yeah. five? Uh, any genre? Yeah. Ah. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I also love horror, so that helps. Um, right. And I remember when it came out, and I really loved space, so I was very excited for this. And uh, I love the mix of horror and comedy, and it's smart. There's a lot of pop culture references, a lot of references to uh, old horror movies, and uh, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And did you laugh? Uh, did I laugh? Yeah. <laughs> I still laugh at watch it. I actually prepped by watching every Edgar Wright movie <laughs> this week. <laughs> Rewatching them all. I just love them. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, help me because I think it's amusing, but I don't think I laughed out loud. I mean, I like it. I thought the movie was, was good. Maybe I'm just, just a miserable old so-and-so. Perry, what made you laugh? What's, what was your most memorable laughs from from the whole thing? Well, uh, I like that it's, you can tell early on it sets the tone for the movie that it's more of a satirical kind of film. And, hmm. you know, first 10 minutes, I was laughing at the sheer amount of like fake jump scares that were like everybody who gets into the movie knows that it's going to be somewhat of a apocalypse type movie. And so you're ready for the zombies. And the first like 10, 15 minutes are just fake jump scares all over the place. And then mm. after that, I started laughing. You know, there's a, there's a couple scenes where you know Simon wakes up and he goes out to the to the grocery store, comes back, and there's tons of zombies around, but he yeah. seems to not notice them at all. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't know, just the way that all worked out. Some stuff with Ed as well was was kind of funny. So, um, but I'd say it was more the satirical stuff that made me laugh than than the the actual jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cass. Yeah, I agree with all that. I also feel like uh, it just hit me at the, the right time, at the right age, where it kind of felt like it could have been me and my friends, like me and my room, right. same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people have found that they've sort of identified with the characters and said, you know, that they remember maybe their student days or their post-student days. <laughs> that, that's where they were. It's just like it seemed like Ed was sort of stuck. Um, you know, still in his sort of slobby days, and everyone else moved on and got jobs and starting uh, relationships. And um, I agree with you about the uh, the scene where he he walks to the shop on the Sunday morning mm-hmm. and um, and just wanders through the sea because I thought that was that was quite well done because he does the same walk the day before. I think it's the day mm-hmm. before. Yeah. And and the thing <laughs> the thing about that was you said Perry about the um, it, it's not it's not the nicest of neighbourhoods. A little bit run down. And so the next day when he goes out and uh, and, and the, the zombies have started to to wreck the place, it's only it's only just a little bit worse. <laughs> True, yeah. you know there aren't there aren't burning cars in the street and people running screaming around and they're just just a, you know yeah. that, the the car that the day before was being washed very carefully by its owner now has a hole in the windscreen. It's the <laughs> kind of neighbourhood where you'd think well maybe after a Saturday night that wouldn't be anything unusual. So. True. Um, 
I also that appreciate was, that was all that was all a one take, and and yeah. so you you go past them the first time the zombies he goes into the store comes back out and the zombies have moved you know as appropriately as you would think they would have in the amount of time that he was in the store. I don't yeah. know, so I just thought that was a well done little piece of of uh, cinematography. Yeah, no, no, it was, and, and I, I, there's a bit of acting I think it was is is very good where he goes yeah. to the drinks um, chiller. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, there are two bloody handprints on the outside. <laughs> but just the way he moves his eyes and when he looks at the drinks, he doesn't see them. And it's totally believable because he's sort of half asleep and mm-hmm. he's, he's concentrating Absolutely. on himself. Okay, good. It's very British, though, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Definitely. With the language so, being used. Yeah, I could tell right away. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So I'm just interested um, how you found that because, you know, obviously there are, you know, there are a lot of British movies, but. It, uh, it it made it quite big, so it got to be quite a big uh, a big thing. And yeah, it is. It's not Downton Abbey British. Mm-hmm. It's it's realistic modern day, uh, you know, sort of very ordinary British. And I just wondered how that played out to to you guys. Did it seem strange, or yeah, did, uh, did, did you so. not get any of it? Or yeah, I would say the only thing um, that like the in terms of like the behavior of the characters, I didn't have any problem with it whatsoever. I'd say the way it was filmed, I did notice from time to time and found it a little different and I had to get used to it. For example, just where the camera was on certain positions, like um, they were in the car and the camera was literally like bumping along, like, you know, like the camera was in the car, like as Mm. like the passenger was holding it or something. Just the way that that all worked, not necessarily a bad thing, but just tougher for me to get used to as a American film uh, connoisseur. It doesn't see a lot of these British films. I don't know if that's a British film thing, but that was just one thing I noticed. Uh, I don't think necessarily. I mean, you know, if you compare it to uh, a Bond movie, for example, which is American-British, sure. uh, you know, they're, they're very slick. I mean, Cass, what do you think? I actually watch a lot of British TV and movies, so I didn't think it was odd to me. Hmm. It just felt kind of in step with those. Um, I mean, you can definitely, it's very, very British. I see it, but it didn't, it felt fun, like, wasn't weird to what about the the we talked a bit about the character characters what about the characterization what do you mean by the characterization well do you think characters were well drawn or um, i mean i'm just thinking back you know a while ago we watched uh, cass and i were we we reviewed the thing john carpenter uh-huh. movie um which has its strengths and lots of people love it the characterization is almost non-existent though because they're all the same person sure what about this one well personally i really enjoyed our main kind of small group i would say i i loved sean i think i mean simon Pegg is probably the most uh household name of all the actors in this movie um yeah. for sure and he was great honestly and i did have a problem with dylan moran uh david i did not like his character at all um i'm wondering if maybe that was on purpose maybe everybody's supposed to hate him because of what happens to him later in the movie mm. uh maybe, maybe it's satisfying to the audience i don't know but I did enjoy Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, especially. They were they were really well done. I enjoyed their characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Cass? Did you did you think about, like the characterization? Yeah, I I agree. I do like the, the characterization. I do feel like the Dillamaran character you kind of are supposed to hate. It's just like the jealous kind of like Sean's girlfriend type that doesn't really like Sean, so you're not supposed to like him. You're supposed to like the hero. So I think that was really on purpose, but I get it. I do feel like the side characters didn't have as much to do, but mm. their characters were okay. I didn't mind. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I think I've known three or four Dylans in my life. 
it was interesting though they were sort of hanging around because um what was this girlfriend called would she die Diane? yeah yeah and uh and that, that was rather there was a bit of pathos later on when it turned out that actually that the only reason the two of them were in in, in the scene in the movie was because she, she fancied the simon Pegg character sean mm-hmm. and um and uh, the other guy fancied Lizzie, so they were sort of hanging around, and they they got together just so that they could be near near, near, near the other two, which was, was a bit pathetic, really. Yeah. It's, it's a little subtle, I think. The mm-hmm. if you do, like they they pass over that so quick, but there is a funny little nuance, I think. Mm. One of the um, critiques I read about it actually said that it thought they thought the fact that the focus was very much on the characters and their their stories outside of the zombie apocalypse, uh, including the stuff about Sean and his parents, uh, was what made it work because it, it tried to say to you, "Focus on this. This is this. You know, this is what we want you to to look at." And then the zombie thing would just kept coming in from from the outside, rather than it being a full on zombie movie. Um, and I, I actually thought that, that if, if that was what they deliberately were trying to do, I thought that, that worked quite well. It was quite clever. Yeah, it was like a movie within a movie. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never get an explanation of of where the zombie effect came from. Does, mm-hmm. does that matter? No, not, not in this movie. I'd say in movies like I don't know, I Am Legend, you kind of need one. Or mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of some other zombie apocalypse movies. World War Z is another one. You kind of need one. But this is not. This is not about the zombie apocalypse, really. I don't know. I feel like it's if it was a a horror movie and trying to be an action movie, then it would definitely need that kind of explanation. <laughs> mm. Yes. I feel like it's more like uh, in like uh, George Morrow's Night of Living Dead, where you didn't really need a reason why it's happening. It's more about the characters and what's happening to them. Yeah. Well, in fact, I'm glad you mentioned that class because uh, one of the things I read said that, that uh, they'd very much written it and made it in homage to, uh, George A. Romero, and and they mentioned exactly that. That he says, "Well, look, you know, there was a zombies about. I don't need all this backstory to explain it, and for you to mm-hmm. to worry about whether or not that 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 works. And you don't, and you don't need to, uh, you don't need to know it." Um, what do you think of the effects? Well, I, uh, you know, I thought they were they were simple and they they fit. And then I get to the last scene, and uh, it took me up a, a notch that I was not expecting to go um, <laughs> when they start ripping out the intestines and so that actually was uh quite disturbing and uncomfortable but other than that i was i thought it was like a solid like they the effects were simple and they fit what we were supposed like the reactions we were supposed to give uh it just fit you know if they were if it was more gruesome it would linger on that like instead of laughing at the joke that comes next or something Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah how did you find them Cass? yeah i I agree that simplicity um, really makes it so it does hold up. Like, the zombies aren't overly done. They kind of look dead, uh, Mm. except for where there's, like, holes in them. Um, Mm. But then the uh, gore effects at the end, I think, are really well done as well. They're very, it definitely looks practical and just, like, messy. Still works. I was struck by a very early bit of gore, actually, which I, 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 I remember seeing it from before. But when I watched it again last night, I thought, actually, I quite like that. You know when he when um, Ed said there's a girl in the garden, yeah, <laughs> and then there's that, that that woman in the in the garden, and then they push her over and she falls onto that stand. It's an umbrella stand, I think, or yeah, a garden yeah. umbrella. I thought that worked really well because yeah. she falls, and then as she falls, you think, oh, it's gone through, and then she lifts herself off, and how they 
they cut that so that it actually looked like it really was her. <laughs> oh, I love that shot of looking at Sean through the hole in the girl. That was yeah, such a cool such a shot. shot. It was. But the other thing about it, you were saying about the gore, uh, Perry, which, which uh, now you mentioned it, I hadn't quite realized. Because that, actually, that's not that horror horrific, is it? It's it's okay. It's 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 gone right through her, but it's not mm-hmm. revolting. It doesn't make you start to sort of you know wonder whether you should you want to turn away. Mm-hmm. Unlike some of the other stuff later, particularly mm-hmm. when uh, when the guy gets pulled through the window, um, and as you say, they start to to claw his guts out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that really it really gets uh, it gets gets quite bad. Okay, any bits, any any parts of the movie as a whole that you think didn't work Hmm, well i would say like i was i was kind of saying like the ending i just once you get back into the winchester it kind of goes away from the satirical comedy and more it tries to finish it as more of a uh a thriller um and the gore amps up and i i don't know that's that was my least favorite part i think is is kind of once they get into the winchester i i was much more enjoying the satirical comedy of just things that happened the scene where um they're making their plan to go save their mom and kill the stepdad the satirical stuff of that and going on and all those uh those little gimmicks um i was enjoying a lot more but once it kind of started started to take itself a little more seriously i lost a little bit of interest so Kaz, it's in your top five defend it Mm -hmm. i think the ending works really well uh as it does turn from uh, be sort of like a romantic comedy in the beginning and then these zombies come in and then it becomes a zombie movie towards the end mm. so in that transition since i do call it a rom-zom-com i think it does work <laughs> that's good i like that the one bit i don't like is when ed dies i would have made it to the end mm. well he sort of uh, makes it to the end <laughs> yeah, he does but yeah we do but, get the garden shed scene yeah mm. not exactly mm. the same person but mm-hmm. yeah but doesn't that I don't know, I quite like that in movies where where they they don't let you have all the happy ending they'll maybe let yeah. you have seventy five percent but you know you have to have some I like that as well some 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 uh, bad bits there's in there there's well. got to be consequences to actions in True. movies yeah oh very philosophical absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um but uh, yeah do I, do I think it did, what do I think well let, before I get to that any thoughts Perry on on how you would have ended it then would, would, would how would you maybe have taken it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think there could have been some kind of wild, um, more resolute scene that I didn't like the whole, like, they escape out the the cellar and then all of a sudden the, the FBI comes and saves the day. I don't know. There could have been some, like, wild and outlandish scene where Sean and Ed, um, I don't know, do something big and maybe uh, discover a way to cure the zombies or just, or just maybe go out and uh maybe it ends with them running off and they're you just kind of expect that they're gonna keep beating the zombies for the indefinite future i don't know i just i I thought it could have been they they should have stuck with the whole like we're not taking ourselves too seriously kind of approach Mm. i suppose as you're saying that then and them running out i suppose they could have done a a a sort of um butch cassidy and the sundance kids spoof ending Mm. you know where they do restart I think about that last scene. Though one thing I did, I did think worked quite well. I did get, I did get a sense of claustrophobia as they were, you know, the zombies were closing in, and then they were closing. At one point, they were surrounded on all sides, and mm-hmm. I thought that that worked quite well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, sure. So, but uh, and then the, you know, there's the whole thing about the set the bar on fire and uh, that, that protected them. Did you um, no? Did you pick up the fact that the whole plot is laid out for you? as to how the movie's going to pl- go very early on did you did you pick up that 
Uh, was it from the news? I'm not certain. Yeah, no, it's not that. Um, it's interesting. I came across it when I was researching it. I don't know if you've you've seen this, Cass. Um, mm. You know the scene. It's before the zombies happen, and it's when uh, Lizzie has dumped Sean, and they're sitting in the Winchester, and he's obviously upset. And then they start to talk about uh, what an ideal day would be. And Ed <laughs> describes, you know, what 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 it would be. And he says, uh, you know, well, we'd start off, we'd have a Bloody Mary first thing you know, to drink. Oh, yeah, I uh, have heard this. <laughs> have a bite at the king's head, a uh, couple at the little princess, stagger back here, bang, back at the bar for shots. And the <laughs> idea is that we'll have a Bloody Mary first thing. The, the girl in the garden that they find? Uh-huh. Oh, very carefully. Her name is Mary. Yeah. Name is Mary. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a bite at the king's head Well, the king is... Is uh, uh, the stepdad, uh, <laughs> and because you know he, he gets bitten. Couple of the little princess. Well, that's meant to be a reference to Lizzie's flat. Uh, stagger back here. That's a reference to the scene of them. You know how they managed to get to the Winchester from the garden. Yeah, from all the zombies. Yeah, they're actually staggering. <laughs> yeah, they pretend to be, and then bang, back at the bar for shots. Well, that's when they get <laughs> a gun and they're shooting. So they deliberately put in that in as a sort of. Um, a spoiler, although it's so deeply hidden that you wouldn't uh, wouldn't otherwise have noticed. So, I um, I thought that was quite that was quite good. Um, what about the soundtrack, the music? Did that make an impression on you at all? I I didn't really take note of it, to be honest. Mm. That that's usually something maybe I I hear on the second or third listening a little more or, wa- or watching of the movie. But uh, in this particular instance, I didn't really notice the the soundtrack. Yeah. Did it, did it, Cass, did you did you pick up on that or? Uh, yeah, I actually really love the soundtrack. Um, I love right. Queen, so the scene in the bar with uh, "Don't Stop Me Now" was great, and the, yeah. I love the specials. And they oh, were I, did the I did catch that. I did catch Queen. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah. um Mondo released the score a couple of years ago on vinyl, and I have that, and I listen to that quite a bit. So I love the right. scene right in the opening when they're just panning through the town, and everybody's just kind of moving along to the beat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, I was going back to the beginning again. Um, I'm glad you, you you said that, Cass. It reminded me because that's another thing I think it does very well at the beginning before the zombie apocalypse starts. So, but there are no zombies whatsoever. It does a really good uh, job, I think, of making everybody look like zombies anyway. Yeah, you know, as they stagger to work and they sit, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, when he's on the bus, there are a couple of mouth breathers sitting mm-hmm. nearby, and everybody's. You know, uh, really, really sort of down and stumbling along, and even the first time you see him when he gets mm-hmm. up, he staggers forward, and you, I think you see his feet first. He's doing a sort of a zombie type walk. I, th- I suppose that was meant to be a satirical comment on, well, aren't we all zombies anyway? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't get that the first time. And anyway, we have to call it out. Uh, how did you feel watching it at this point in in, uh, in the world's uh, life with you know coronavirus on the rise? <laughs> Was that in your thoughts? Uh, not really, to be honest. Uh, I'm trying not to take that that the virus too seriously, but I like definitely, you know, after the fact, um, when I did think about it more more today, honestly, when I was thinking about kind of taking away my um my thoughts on the movie, then I I kind of made that connection. But as I was watching the movie, I didn't didn't make the connection. But yeah, it is definitely kind of an eerie thing to to be mm. thinking about in this day and age yeah yeah i felt like it was the virus was watching it over my shoulder <laughs> <laughs> so i was uh, i was watching it yeah so tell me do you think dogs can't look up 
<laughs> no, dogs can look up. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I think I start to see a dog. I must watch it and see if it, uh, it, it, it can, <laughs> can look up. <laughs> Just go back to the British references thing as well. Um, Cornetto, delicious. I, I don't. You've had we one. We have something cast? very similar. It's um, I can't remember what it's called here, but it's the same exact thing. <laughs> right. I looked it up, and uh, and so uh, one thing I said that the nearest that you you could find would be King Cone. Is that what you you were meaning? I can't remember what it's called, but it it looks exactly the same. It has the waffle cone with the ice cream with the flavored syrup on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you pick up on that, Perry? The Cornetto reference. I, I didn't know that's what it was, but I I'm familiar with the with the type of uh, ice cream cone. But yeah, no, I didn't pick up on that. And of course, uh, I don't know if you knew this as well, Perry. But this is uh, Shaun of the Dead is is uh, one of a trilogy called the Three Cornetto trilogy, oh. which uh, which is an Edgar Wright Simon Pegg thing. Um, and there are there are two other movies in uh, in in that as well. So. But they, uh, the, the, and the idea is, it, it, the reason it's in the movie is because Edgar Wright apparently once had a cornetto uh, when he was suffering a very bad hangover, and it it uh, cured it. So <laughs> it's his his patent uh, patent cure. Now, just okay. any anything else that that didn't work or that you had any questions about? I did want to make uh, one connection that's really an out there connection, but as you in the UK, especially, might might understand it. I don't know. Um, have you seen the Ardman claymated film Flushed Away? No, I haven't seen that one. No, no. no. Well, Which, it, is it? It's not a Wallace and Gromit movie, then. No, no, but it's the same studio, and it was for DreamWorks Animation, as they did it for, and it came out in two thousand six. Uh, but I honestly made a lot of connections from that movie, or from from Shaun of the Dead to Flushed Away. The What's character... it about? Tell, tell me a bit about. It. I might, I, I don't recognize the name, but I might if you describe it. Well, it is kind of a uh, like an end of the world type plot, but it's not zombies. But it's about uh, a mouse that lives in like a bougie place in the, in uh, in England. But this rat shows up and basically flushes them down the toilet. The rat is his name's Sid, and he looks. Almost like I feel like they took a lot of inspiration from Ed. Like they look <laughs> like really? if you were to make a rat that looked like Ed, that is exactly what it would look like. And um, but yeah, he ends, it's like a trying to stop a apocalypse in like this sewer community thing. But yeah, I just I made a few connections. It's very British as well, and um, oh. I just found that as like an out there kind of thing that that those two connected in my yeah. mind. Have you seen that movie, Cass? I have seen it, but um, I guess I know the connection, but I might have to go back and watch it and, and take a look and see if I can see anything. Yeah, yeah well, I, I've just look at that. Sid. You'll you'll see it right away. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have to check it out because I don't I don't know, know it. So that's a good that's a good reference. Yeah, thanks for for, for that. I'll certainly check that out myself. Um, uh, just one thing I I was a bit bit unsure about. You know the Yvonne character. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, which I, one's that? So she's the the other woman that that he suddenly meets in the street. You know, he's, the he's, leader he's... of the other gang. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. She, yep. she turns out to be, and that's all a bit. Where's she come from? Because there's a very weird bit when they're they're making their way through the back gardens and down the alleyways towards the Winchester, and they bump into Yvonne. And, <laughs> well, and... she was a uh, she starred in uh, Spaced with she did, yeah, yeah. Diamond Peg and uh, and, she and Martin was, Freeman's like... just randomly there. Yeah, Martin Freeman. <laughs> so if you look at the as the two um, parties pass, they actually they're, they're images. 
they're very connected. That like uh, there's two people from the office. There's a couple be spaced. A uh, little Britain. So it's just kind of a uh, who's who of British comedies in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, and they're all but dressed the other... up to match. And... Yeah. yeah, they are they're, they're exactly. So they're all like a mirror image gang, and and uh, and, and that was that was a bit odd. I mean. It wasn't a complete glaring thing, but I did wonder, what, what, who is she then? Where's she come from? And then she turns up and, as you say, brings the special forces in and rescues them all. So, so that's yeah, I feel like all. it's a nice nod to uh, other stories that could be happening while their story is happening. Yeah. So you could just point. imagine what's happening with everybody else. A yeah. little bit of an ex machina, though, for our for our heroes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One, one last thing. Um, how did you feel about the scene where he has to shoot his mum? Yeah, that's that's about when that's about when it turned to the point of like uh, I wasn't ready to actually like feel emotion in this movie outside mm -hmm. of outside of laughing, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was a difficult one. Yeah, it, it was a little hard just because I I mean I, I I saw it working up to that and I was like I I don't think this movie specifically has to do it or or I also maybe thought they would like find some way to do it in in a lighthearted manner, but no, not really. They just kind of shoot it right through the head. Yeah, it's pretty full on. Apparently, when they shot the scene, because, um, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg had got so invested in the whole thing and and uh, and the way that that she was playing the, the character that they actually wept themselves after when after the scene was shot because they were just so uh, wound up by it and it upset them so much being in it. Simon Pegg said he found it actually really difficult to to do the scene and and, and pull the trigger. Um, so yeah, it was quite a, quite a moment for them. Okay, brilliant. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for that. We'll uh, take another break. And then when we get back, we'll have uh, something, a little bit of fun. And then we'll talk about rating the movie. We're a podcast about two parents and their kid going on a quest for good shows. No, we're a podcast about two parents who are trapped in their own living room and we have to endure time and space. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Rich. I'm Natalie. And this is Not Suitable for Adults. Take 30 or 40 minutes out of your day to listen to us speak calmly and wisely to you about the best and the worst of kids' TV shows today. And movies. And movies. So join us as we sit in our living room and talk about the things we don't want to watch. And some things we do want to watch. Yeah, it's not all bad. Some of it's good. Some of it. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, you're listening to Now You've Seen It, and we're talking about Shaun of the Dead with resident panelist Cass and our guest Perry Wilson. And at this point, we get to do something a little bit different, and I've put together some trivia questions uh, for our guest, our panelist. Um, no prizes, just for, for fun, really. I'm not going to keep score or anything. Um, so I'll go through it. Okay, question one. Which of these musicians made a cameo appearance as a zombie in the movie Shaun of the Dead? 
was it Chrissy Hind from The Pretenders, Chris Martin from Coldplay, Christopher Cross, the singer-songwriter, or Christine McVie, Fleetwood Mac? Oh, man, I uh, I have no idea. Oh, man, what's the person from The Pretenders? Chrissy Hind. Yeah. Cass? I'm going to go Chris Martin from Coldplay. Right. Well, a lot of people would say, Cass, that you were right, because uh, it's been said for a long time that uh, that he did. He does actually make an appearance. If you if you know at the end of the movie, they have that uh, spoof scene where they, they what is it called, Zombade or Zombie. something? <laughs> yeah. And he does appear singing. And it was believed that, that a lot of people thought that one of the extras looked like uh, and was Chris Martin. But uh, apparently last year, Simon Pegg came out and said, look, I've got to put this myth to bed. He doesn't appear as a zombie. He is in it as himself, but not as a zombie. So a bit of a twist. Okay, question two. According to Haitian folklore, what food stuff, if fed to a zombie, will restore it? Hmm. How about, uh, how about like, it's got to be something old, maybe tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Be good. yeah, yeah. Cass? Uh, I'm going to say something spicy. I don't know. <laughs> Right. Any any spice or just chili or whatever, anything like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You're it's probably kind of closest. Yeah, you're it's probably closest. It's it's apparently salt. What is it to really? to uh, yeah. Uh, it varies a bit. When it says restore, uh, apparently the the goes a bit further and it's only temporarily. So you know where basically a zombie loses their personality and they just become this, this wandering mm-hmm. zombie. Well apparently if you give them salt allegedly then they they start to recover and their personality will uh, return a bit and they they start to recover. Some people say, uh, (laughs) but only to the point where they'll take themselves off to their grave and and go back to their grave. The interesting thing is, a few years ago, Scientific American published an article uh, offering a scientific explanation as to why this might be the case. And apparently, if you take freshly dead animal tissue, uh, where the nerves have stopped firing and it seems completely inert if you then infuse it with a salt solution the nerves temporarily come back to life so you said this was a haitian folklore thing yeah it's part of voodoo surprised they have to deal with zombies that often well (laughs) yeah i mean mean, that's what it says um (laughs) question three true or false in 2011 the u.s government released a plan laying out the uh, uh it was a document laying out the details of a strategy to defend against a zombie attack. I'm going to say true. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that sounds like a, a true thing, too. It is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is true. Uh, it wasn't actually um, meant to be a, a completely serious, this is what we do. It was actually released, written and released as a thought training exercise. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's meant to be for people who have to write these kind of documents for real. And it was, it was was it's an exercise to try and shake people out of their as it says, uh, that it's meant to disrupt tired, tired out thinking and um, inspire thinking out of the box and, and a bit of lateral thinking. Yeah, it was, it was definitely true. Okay. We mentioned earlier that Shaun of the Dead is the first of the Cornetto trilogy. And these are three movies, uh, each of which has a different flavor of Cornetto assigned to it by um, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. The other two movies uh, in the trilogy are Hot Fuzz and The World's End. But what, can you tell me what the flavors are of the Cornettos for each movie? I think they're vanilla and which one with which for hot fuzz for cops, and then it's green for the aliens in World's End. And then Shaun, Shaun of the Dead is uh, that was red, and it was is that cherry or raspberry? 
Strawberry. But strawberry, wow. that's it. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. Red on you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Exactly right. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the three cornettes are strawberry for Shaun of the Dead, the original uh, vanilla flavor for Hot Fuzz, because, the, as you say, the packaging is blue. So that was a reference to the, the blue police uniforms. And then World's End is, is mint. Sticking with Hangover Cures, which, of course, the Cornetto got into the movie because Edgar Wright uh, has it as one of his Hangover Cures. Um, which of these, which of the following, has been proposed at one time or another as a hangover cure? Uh, a, deep-fried canary. B, uh, a lemon or lime slice rubbed on the uh, on the armpit of the drinking arm before drinking. So you, you rub a bit of lemon <laughs> under there and, uh, before you go drinking. C, dried bull's penis. Hmm. D, tripe soup. Or E, sweat swishing, which is basically where you go out for a long run you get very sweaty, you then mop up some of your own sweat, preferably with your arm, and you put in your mouth, how you do that, I'm quite, quite sure, you swill it around your mouth and then you spit it out, and apparently that's supposed to spit out the hmm. hangover. So which of those was actually, has actually been proposed as a, as a hangover skill, would you say? Deep fried canary, lemon slice under the arm, dried bull's penis, tripe suit, soup, or sweat swishing? I think I want it to be the lemon slice. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Out of those options. Yeah. Well, anyone it who's listening. It sounds listened, like it might be on. all of the above. You've been <laughs> listening to too many of my trivia questions. <laughs> now I try and catch people out. It's like, exactly right. It's a trick, trick question. They've all been proposed seriously at one time or another. Uh, the deep fried oh canary was uh, apparently proposed uh, in ancient Rome, and uh, Pliny the Elder has written about, about this. The lemon slice or lime slice, apparently that's something that's suggested in Puerto Rico. Uh, dried bull's penis is from Sicily. Uh, tripe soup is apparently a Turkish uh, remedy. And sweat swishing uh, is allegedly a Native American remedy. So all right. they've, all been, uh, they've all been suggested. And in fact, I had a much longer list, but we didn't got time to read, uh, to read all <laughs> of them out. So, Okay, as I say, no prizes, but thanks for taking part. I hope you find that, that fun. <laughs> absolutely okay we've got to this, the point now where we need to rate our movie so perry the way we do this is we say if you were to go and you had the chance to go and see this movie in a theater with uh, all the the, the 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 you know luxurious seats and the dolby surround sound all that kind of stuff um uh, but you could pay whatever you wanted to pay and you would choose obviously a, 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 a price that reflected how much you thought of the movie what would you pay to go and see this between naught and ten dollars mm-hmm. yeah so i i i paid four dollars last night to see it at home or two nights ago so mm-hmm. it's really comes down to how much would i pay over four dollars to see it in a theater i'd say i'd probably pay an extra four dollars to see it in a theater so we'll say eight dollars okay good thank you and cass um i would definitely pay ten dollars this movie yeah. um i remember in theaters i probably paid that much and I've seen it a million times. And if it released in theaters again, I'd go and see it again. All right. Excellent. Good. I'd pay seven. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's not in my top ten, but I did think it was it was good. I remember remember um, when it came out, I just thought, because I hate the whole zombie thing. I think it's also, <laughs> also stupid. And uh, so I avoided it. And then I, I came across it on TV and ended up getting drawn in because one of the scenes was so good. So no, it's rehabilitated itself. So I'm going to give it seven. And that gives it an average score of 8.33. Pretty good. So, pretty good. Good. 
Okay, well, thanks very much. We're, we're out of time now, uh, so we'll have to bring things to a close. Uh, I'd just like to say a very big thanks to uh, our uh, resident panellist, Cass. Oh, thank you. And a very big uh, thank you to our guest, Perry Wilson, for listening to, uh, uh, for watching the movie and then sharing with us his views. Thank you very much, Perry. Absolutely. I had a great time. Thanks for having and, me. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. You've been a great guest. Thank you. Um, and to those of you listening, we hope you've enjoyed our show. Uh, just say the usual thing. If you've en- you have enjoyed it, then we would love it if you subscribed. Love it if you rated us, and we would love it if you gave us a review. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then you can contact us at oraclepodcasts at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash now you've seen it. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward stroke oracle podcasts, and we, we very much appreciate that, of course. You can check out this and other wonderful podcasts at oraclepodcasts.com. Our theme music is performed by Eric Hunt. Thank you, Eric. And we'd like to say a big thank you to our broadcasting partners at Age of Radio and Galactic Netcasts. And you can find more about them at ageofradio.org and gncasts.com. I'm Paul Gisby. I've been your host. Thanks for listening. Now You've Seen It is a production of Oracle Media Productions in association with Age of Radio and Galactic Netcasts. For more great podcasts, visit oraclepodcasts.com, ageofradio.org, and gncasts.com.